0: This is In The Making, a podcast exploring the origin stories of people who work in web design. Hi, welcome to In The Making. I'm Devin Asaro. I'm Senior Content Strategist at Centerline Digital. Today we're talking with Georgie Cohen, who's Associate Creative Director of Content Strategy at Oho Interactive and also the co-founder of Meet Content. How are you doing, Georgie?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Now that I think for the second time, hopefully we have (laughs) our technical difficulties resolved.
1: Yeah, let's not hope that the actual published edition of this podcast says, now hopefully that for the thirteenth time our technical difficulties are resolved.
0: Yeah, well <laughs> I have all the recordings of me of me talking uh, and you know getting frustrated, so we can just, you know, attach all of those on it'll the It'll be a to great give, outtakes. Great. Yeah. It'll give them the full experience. Yeah. Um, so I guess I just wanna start uh, you know, by asking you a little bit about your current work. Um, you know, your associate creative director, um, and you're also content strategist. And I haven't often seen those two job titles put together, so I'd be curious to hear a little bit about, um, you know, what your job is like.
1: Sure, uh, yeah. So um, I've been at OHO for gosh, wow, it's already about eighteen months now, and this is a new role for the agency. This role didn't exist prior to me coming in, and I, I hadn't seen a role like it either, <laughs> which is why I'm pretty, pretty excited to to occupy it. So. Um, uh, basically like i i'm I'm the lead uh, content strategist uh, on our our work. Um, a lot of our work is with higher education. I've worked uh, prior to coming here, I worked in or with higher ed for about a decade, so uh, that that experience is definitely helpful. Uh, but I guess how this has played out with this this title and my actual sort of Day to day work is again being sort of the, the content lead for projects, and as a, a full service agency, we're doing a lot of um, website redesign projects. Also, you know, sort of smaller digital projects like uh, you know campaign microsites or uh, special other kinds of uh, digital campaigns or um, other digital projects. Um, so I'm the content lead on these, and I'm working uh, really closely with our research director, with our user experience team, with our visual designers, with the creative director, with our with our uh, our founder. And sort of uh, lead a strategist, and really sort of working in the in the thick of it uh, to sort of uh, think through the communications vision for these projects. So uh, as we're doing research, as we're sort of doing stakeholder interviews and, and, and gathering all this information, really um, thinking through, uh, working with the client, working with our internal team around: okay, what is it that we're trying to communicate? What's the best way uh, to do it? And not just sort of up at the upfront part of the project, but really getting to. Uh, use that upfront time to sort of lay the groundwork for uh, thinking through broader, uh, deeper issues of, of governance and and, uh, and strategy and, and workflow and all of that, um, which is great because that's still something that a lot of organizations are maturing into, uh, realizing that th- they need to think about that um, in terms of you know, our clients um, in higher ed and, and beyond. So. Um, it's been good to have the opportunity to uh, to start those conversations, to lead those conversations, and I find that I'm learning a lot being sort of really plunked into this uh, really multidisciplinary workflow. So it's it's cool. I think that you know there's it was definitely sort of a lot of learning, and it should be like oh like content kind of strategy everyone sort of knew it and was excited that I was there like thank god you're here we need this and that was great um but it's always you know it was a new role and a new sort of uh you know way of thinking and doing things sort of in the mix is sort of like a, oh like how do we fit this in and how do we incorporate this into how we do projects and how does this change my work and how do I influence your work and how do we sell this and how do we you know whatever um but it's been sort of a good process overall a lot of talking a lot of listening a lot of trying a lot of uh um, you know, uh, working together, and yeah. it's been it's been cool. It's been a lot of fun.
0: That's yeah. That's interesting. It, it always seems like uh, you know, a content strategist role is like at least half, if not more, of just educating peers about what what it is that you do as a content strategist. <laughs> yeah, um, peer,
1: peers and clients alike.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, the first half of every conversation is here's what I do and why I'm here, and right. then here's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Um, and so you also you've also worked uh, in house uh, in higher ed right at, at mm-hmm. uh, Tufts. Uh,
1: yeah, I worked for about seven years at Tufts, and then I was in, I did the whole independent thing, had my own business for about a year, mm-hmm. uh, working pretty much exclusively with uh, higher education uh, clients, and then I went back in house for about eighteen months. I worked at Suffolk University.
0: So you've worked with higher ed in house, and then as an independent consultant, and with an agency. So I'm kind of wondering what that what that experience is like. You know, working with the same type of client, but in in those different capacities.
1: I'm omniscient. I know everything. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's been fascinating. Like, because uh, working in house, the external, you know, the, an agency, uh, a consultant, it's always this like mythical being on a on a mountain that knows everything. And you could say the same thing every day like hey guys we need to do this we need to do this and the bp's like yeah yeah that's great yeah. then they hire a consultant to come in and the consultant says hey we need to do this and is like ah, oh, that's amazing what great insight and the in-house person is like dude like <laughs> i have been saying that for like five years um and it's really frustrating and i've been in that seat of being in-house and being frustrated that you know external um you know expertise is, is so much more valued and instantly valid, um, you know, beyond what you might know uh, or what you might be recommending from that internal position. So having been there um, and having been in that position, but also having been in and having fought a lot of the um the political battles and the cultural battles which are um higher ed is a beautiful wonderful place i, I always tell people that i'm a sucker and that's why i stick uh, close to the industry um i get to work with other industries now at oho which is awesome but i am still i'm glad to be so close to higher ed because I, I i say i'm just a sucker like i just love the mission of higher education i love the university um the way universities uh, what their function is and yeah. how they work and, and, I, and I love it but um, you know there's a, they're often rife with a lot of politics and um, you know some some cultural challenges and um, you know those can be really difficult and I've lived those battles and I've, I've fought those turf wars and they suck Uh, They suck a lot. But having gone through that, I feel that in this role and also when I was an independent consultant, like, you often hear a lot of the, like, oh, content strategy is, like, being a therapist. And, Mm -hmm. oh, like, it's all, you know, the whole, like, the quad that Brain Traffic put out, like, half of its people. Yeah. And it's, like, I've lived that. Like, I understand. So um, it makes it – I can come in with a lot of – or I try to come in with a lot of empathy um, and really knowing that us coming in as an agency or, you know, someone coming in from this external point of view, like, you're walking in, everyone has feelings, mm, yes. <laughs> and the work that you're doing is going to change people's jobs, and um, and it's in the source of the institution, so I'm very mindful of that, too, like, yeah, like, we're a business, and there's certain things that go along with that, but we're coming in, we're being trusted with um, sort of carrying the banner of an institution's mission and helping them advance and grow, and I take that very seriously, and I take very seriously the fact that you're coming in, talking to all these different stakeholders and groups, and you know, those are people's who, people. Those are people. Uh, this is their life, and this is their work, and this is their day to day. And it might change. Uh, yeah. And you can't sort of invalidate where they are. You can't be like, "Well, you're in a print person, so you know you suck." And you know, you know it's, it's it's the wrong attitude. Like everyone has value, and everyone is there could be a part of it. it can be part of positive change, whatever the appropriate change is for the organization, given what they're looking to do communications wise. So. Yeah. Having been in there, I, I, it's it's easy for me to, um, or easier to put, for me to put myself in their shoes and be like, okay, like, how can I best um, communicate to you? How can I work with you? How can I acknowledge, you know, where you're coming from? And how can that sort of help um, help facilitate this process? And knowing the questions to ask and really teasing out, like, what are some of the, the, the naughty, um, you know, messy people, culture, you know, process kind of type of stuff that you know you have all the good design in the world and all the the amazing um you know back-end development but if your organization is not ready for it, your organization is you know you, they're not properly wrangled to to make the most of it, it doesn't matter yeah um so that's often what i i'm trying to do is figure out where landmines are but also try to figure out how i can help and how we can marry and 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 frankly, sells like hey, like yeah, we can build great things, but it's going to be up to you to maintain them. Right. Um, let's figure out what the best way is to to make that happen.
0: Yeah, and I, I've experienced that. I, you know, I just started working with my first higher ed client about six months ago, and oh, you know, it was a real kind of culture shock for me because I'm used to coming into an environment and talking about you know breaking down silos and having people kind of be on board to do that. Mm-hmm. But I sort of realized in higher ed. Silos aren't just like a, a you know, an inconvenience of the bureaucracy, but they're actually mm-hmm. kind of like a pr- closely protected way of life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people love their silos because, you know, they, and they and they sort of cling to them because they they've had them for so long and they they, you know, function as a way to, you know, often protect research and do things like that. So mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a whole different type of sensitivity that that I've sort of had to learn uh, in you working with higher ed.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really interesting um, that the silos I find are, people talk about silo busting, break down the silos. But, yeah, and I think that Amanda Costello might talk about some of this in her. And I know you talked to her on the podcast a little while back, and she, as we talked about, some of this at ConFab Higher Ed. But um, you know, I, I have found that you often can't break them down, but you can sort of build tunnels between them, and yeah. you can like you know, set up uh, games of telephone and you can go around them. And it's often a lot of sort of grassroots wrangling um, and sort of layering some sort of connective tissue over the silos. So they're, 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 they're always going to be there to some degree, I feel. And there might be a purpose to some of that. And some of it might just be intractable because it's bigger than us, but there's ways to sort of um, tunnel through them and, and build the connections and the relationships that you need uh, to get things done. Um, You know, those silos, I think, aren't going to fall away and crumble to dust overnight. um, But there's a lot that we can do to overcome them um, and to uh, work around and in spite of them.
0: That, yeah, and uh, speaking of ConFab Higher Ed, you're uh, you're doing a, a workshop and a, and a talk there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm particularly interested in in your talk, uh, you know, on building internal communities to support your content strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, is that sort of what you're talking about there, in in terms of like you know building building those bridges between silos, or is it more about actually building a, a culture around content strategy?
1: Uh, it's both. I mean, I think that a lot, especially in the higher ed context. Um, a lot of things that you'll find is that the person who is updating the website or sending the newsletter or manning the Twitter account or, or whatever piece of content authorship and management it is, um, is just sitting alone somewhere, disconnected from pe- other people who do that kind of work. Uh, it could be an administrative assistant in the chemistry department. I mean, it could be uh, a sole communications manager in the School of Engineering, and she's just surrounded by deans and professors all day, lovely people, but they don't understand her work. Um, and there's a central marketing office somewhere that's coming up with standards and processes and buying CMSs and God knows what else they're doing, um, but you have these people out there who are sort of doing the day-to-day work of content who may or may not be connected to that, at that central level, who may or may not be uh, invested in or even aware of institutional style or standards or processes or best practice um, for how to do Twitter or how to, uh, you know, Planned content for a newsletter, or how to update your website, or, or any of that. Um, and this is sort of what I was getting at with the idea of the silos and sort of building layers over them, or finding building tunnels between them, or something. Because, um, you know, I, the, what I talk about in the in the in the session is is how to develop an internal community that sort of helps build those relationships so that. You know, if you're that sort of uh, that army of one, that person who's out there sort of uh, disconnected, um, you can sort of build find develop that community. So you find your people, and just the, the morale alone can be really helpful to know that, wow, other people are banging their head against the CMS, but someone else has figured out something that I don't know. Maybe I have a trick that can help someone else out. So it's right. also about peer support, because um, one thing that's there at the higher ed is challenges with resources, um, and be that money, time expertise the whole gamut um, so I think that the more you find a way to bring people together, um, it can create efficiency in knowledge uh, and efficiency in training because people can support one another and learn from one another, which has a huge practical value, but also I think a huge emotional value because you're you're connected. Uh, and it can also increase the quality of the work. If, if it, I, I mean, I advocate that those kinds of groups be organized at, at that central level, facilitated, and sort of help facilitate those relationships so then you have a conversation it that you've created, where you can say, hey, we have this style guide, let's let's get people educated on, on it and, and get some feedback and institutionalize it a little bit more. So it's not just like a link on the site under marketing communication style guide, hope people find it, they're the standards, yeah. we authored them, uh, but find a way to make it a part of the culture so that people can and understand why we do things this way, what the importance is. These people aren't necessarily communications professionals, but 10% of their job or something might be content and communications tasks Um, and the effectiveness of that um, you know it's 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 hard to um, manage that with 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 resources and time but the more that we can sort of create these communities it can it can go a uh, a long way to sort of um, making those those conduits for information and, and and the way we're getting people supported to do better work a little more efficient and get people more invested in the process
0: yeah and, you know and to that point and I think you kind of also touched on this earlier the, the one thing that I also really love about working in higher ed is that very often the, the people that you're working with actually believe in like the mission Oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> which you know coming yeah. from a background of, of working with mostly like large b2b uh, companies, you know that that wasn't always the case, and, and mm-hmm. you know that wasn't always a motivating factor. So it's always nice to be able to, you know, build a strategy, you know, with the the you know n- not only the the mission of the business, but the mission of the people within that business as, as the core.
1: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I used to to work at Tufts, and I still have a soft spot for for that university and their mission and everything and what the kind of work and that's being done at Suffolk as an urban school like I still I don't even work there anymore I still have a strong like affinity and I feel very strongly about those missions and what those schools are trying to do and I think that that's it's really motivating for me to um, you know to, to to be a part of that kind of work because you know not that other kinds of work doesn't matter but I think there's something unique about higher ed where it's these communities. Um, it's, it's people, it's little, it's almost like little, little worlds, little whole villages that, um, you know, all are interdependent in some way. And I think the fact that it's like, it's oftentimes it's residential communities, sometimes it's not. Um, but you have this really strong sense of community that, that, you know, you're tasked with finding a digital representation of and a, and a digital, platform for conveying information. And then, you know, these institutions are trying to market themselves. How do you communicate this, this, when you go on a campus or you talk to students who are part of a, in a, in a university um, as, a, as students, whether they're online or, or, or on-campus students, and those kinds of relationships that they have with their faculty, with their, with their um, fellow students, um, you know, they're so strong. And it's such like a, a challenge to translate that uh, in a way that people can meaningfully understand what it means. Um, you know, there's a lot of commonalities between hired institutions, but there's a lot of differences. And it's a challenge every time to figure out, like, what is your story and how can I tell it yeah. uh, in a way that um, honors it? Um, But also does what you need to do. Like you're looking to recruit more of X kind of student or you're really looking to boost enrollment or you're really looking to grow enrollment in this program or or whatever. Like there's business goals, too, to keep in mind. But um, these missions are so um, powerful and these communities are so special um, that it it really uh, makes it a, a special project to be a part of, to be working um, with a school and to be trusted to have a role uh, in that uh, balancing that against the, the business stuff so it's, yeah. it's all very interesting
0: and you mentioned storytelling I, I know you got your uh, start in journalism at, at the Boston globe right mm-hmm. yep so how has how has that i guess that storytelling approach kind of shaped uh, you know shaped your career and, and shaped the sort of work that you've pursued
1: uh how hasn't it i, I feel <laughs> like I mean I I'll say it again. I'm a sucker. Um, so, I mean, I my growing up, I was always writing poems and writing stories, and I was that kind of kid. Like, I was always just, like, lost in a story somewhere, reading a book, you know, scrawling, you know, short stories in notebooks. Um, and the only reason I majored in journalism in college is because I somehow thought that that would be more uh, – uh, you know, pay, and if I'd, I'd have more a lucrative uh, job prospects with a journalism degree than a creative writing degree. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what what I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Eighteen year old me I clearly had not done any research. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's always what's gotten me is is a narrative, and you know, I, I feel kind of dopey saying it because I feel like that whole concept of storytelling has been like kind of appropriated by kind of like you know. Yeah. social media snake oil people to be like yeah, i'm gonna yeah. tell your story <laughs> yeah it sounds great and you know there's a lot more to it than just saying the word storytelling over and over again and be like ooh storytelling sounds impressive um and that's what i've learned over time is like you know, going from this like dreamy-eyed kid who can you know turn a clever phrase to <clears throat> really figure out like, what does it mean to Really unearth an institution's story or any yeah. organization's story. Sometimes they don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's you know there's different narratives. There's different um, things there. So, and I think that my journalism training, I think the best thing that I got out of having a journalism background is uh, just knowing how to ask questions and knowing how to talk to people. Um, and you know, trying to get answers out of people. Like I've done so many interviews of people who just it's like talking to a wall and you're trying to dig a quote out of them. You're trying to dig some sort of insider. Really find like, you know, especially working in higher ed, a lot of stories like, oh, like you know, this faculty member did this thing, and you want to find like this the the piece of information that's really gonna make that story turn from like, oh, did you know the faculty member published the research about X? But make it something human where it's like the reason I study cancers because my my mom died, and then I went into this tailspin, and then this happened to me, and then I had this revelation, and then I did this, and now I'm this researcher. Like, you want to find that human element. You want right. to find that motivating factor. You want to find the real story. So I feel like I've been, you know, digging through, you know, all these things for so long, it's and it's a highly transferable skill to this work. Is because you're constantly digging, 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 trying to find the nugget of truth yeah. and trying to find what the real um, thrust of it is. And then trying to find a way to articulate that uh, in a way that's going to be meaningful. That's going to inform, inspire, engage, explain, whatever the goal is. Um, so that, I mean, that's been the, the skill that the big skill that I've taken from that background and, and has really served me well is um, asking questions um, and, you know, not yeah. settling until I get <laughs> I get an answer that is going that helps me understand what's what to what to do next and what to communicate and it can help me uh, find a way to frame and articulate um, you know the message at hand.
0: Yeah, and it seems like it seems like one of the things that uh, journalists and content strategists really have in common is. They understand that storytelling is about structure. And I think that uh, the snake oil people kind of miss out on that that part of it.
1: Yeah, I think that it's easy to be like, a story is like this, like, a moment in time. Yeah. But it's really like what people experience as a story is just like one point on a continuum. there's so much that came before and so much that came after it. And then it's going to cycle back to inform what happens next with that, with that particular story. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I actually just wrote a post on the OHO blog recently about sustaining a system of stories where, you know, people talk like, Oh, your website needs more storytelling. Like, Yeah. But especially in higher ed, like you know, it can be really hard to find those stories, and not not just find them. For like we've talked to twenty people for these profiles that are going on the homepage for launch. Like hooray! Like that's really not the full job. Like yeah, it's more about creating a culture and a system whereby you're constantly unearthing these, you're betting them against established criteria for the kinds of stories you need to tell to accomplish ABC goals, um, and then you you have the resources and the process by which you can. Sustain and create those over time, um, and they're aligned with the appropriate units, the appropriate goals, the appropriate whatever balance that you're trying to get. Um, you have the resources to create them, and then they can be refreshed at whatever appropriate interval. They could be thinking through the structure of where are these stories going to go. Are they going to go on the homepage, on these program pages, on the alumni page? Um, you know, and they're breaking down like what are the components of a story? You know, are right. there visual components? Are there headlines? Like, how are we structuring this? You know, and all of that. So, and that, and that, you know, as I've, you know, gone through this, this profession and really just, it's like, it's like the matrix. It's like, you know, <laughs> something happened. I took a pill and like, suddenly, like I can just see everything. I'm like, oh, okay. Like it's, it's, it's not just a story like this moment in time. There's all these different layers uh, and, and it's the structure just to figure out. And I, it must just be like the, the deep, deep nerd in me is just like, is delighted that yeah. <laughs> now the problem has become more complex and yeah. this, this overjoys me. Um, but, yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a great um, problem to try to solve is to unearth that story, but then create a system whereby it doesn't just become sort of a blip of, that was great, that was a nice experience I just had reading that or seeing right. that, and then it was disconnected from any sort of broader purpose for sustaining it or a purpose in it in existing at all. Um, so that's, that's been, that's been a lot of fun to sort of, uh, have my understanding of what storytelling is and how to do it effectively, uh, mature over time and constantly be like, Oh, I need to be doing that. Oh, cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, and when it comes to your own story, I I guess one of the things that I've, that I I was really interested in talking to you about, and, and one of the reasons that, um, you know, I wanted to interview you is I think that you do a really fantastic job of, balancing the writing that you do about sort of the discipline and the industry, like, you know, your uh, your a list apart blog and, you know, a lot of the stuff that you do on meat content that, you know, is very, very focused on on the work, as well as kind of the, the writing that you do that's a lot more personal, like the stuff that you've done on a pastry the pastry box project, which I love. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm curious how how you balance those two expressions of your identity, you know, the the work versus the life, because they they really do seem to be blended.
1: Um, wow, this is this is very interesting. Um, I don't know if I have an answer. I feel like I feel like I just have strong compulsions, and I mm-hmm. think that I have a compulsion around the work I do and wanting to continually improve. Part of the way I improve is by like putting ideas out there, right? Um, and you know, a lot of times the blog post will be like, like today I supposed to post on me content about email newsletters and. I sort of get the idea and commit to doing it before I even know what the heck it's gonna be. I'm like, email newsletters are different now and that's kind of cool and I'm gonna write about it. And I'll be like, "Um, now what? And then I figure out, and (laughs) and then I sort of figure it out. But like one of the first, um, when I first started doing public speaking, I submitted a presentation to the Penn State web conference about um, the implications of responsive web design uh, for content strategy and how to approach content in a responsive web design. And when I submitted and got that proposal accepted, I, I I had zero clue. I could not have told you. I would have been like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was an opportunity to learn and research. And then by the time I presented it, it made sense, and I had something of value to bring. It's always been my 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 bar for myself and for what I put out there. Is like it needs. I, I'm not just gonna talk for sake of talking, just to fill pages. I'm, if I have something that I think would be helpful or enlightening or interesting. Uh, to people, that, that's that's my bar. Like, is this going to bring some sort of value um, to the people who are going to hear it or to read it? Uh, and that's been my bar. So professionally, uh, you know, part of putting ideas out there um, It's just my way of thinking through them um, and wanting to sort of give back and to be a part of the community through knowledge sharing. Yeah. Um, so you know, that's that's been a huge part of it. But then, you know, there's you know, the the more personal stuff as it comes out in a pastry box, I've had any number of, of blogs over the years and um, different outlets um, where I've written about family stuff and personal stuff and, you know, all sorts of, you know, capital F feelings and, and all these things. And I mean, I guess it's it's just been part of my nature that I just, number one, I just like to write and I'd like, and I, and I, I'm a comfortable putting feelings out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that especially like on Twitter, like there's some people who play it really close to the vest, which is totally fine. Um, but I'll, you know, say very raw things and and just put out very like political things or very sort of personal things. I have a, I have a line I, and I know where that line is. I've drawn it in myself, but, um, you know, I, I've always felt a, you know, I've always felt comfortable expressing to a certain level, um, personal feelings and, Wanting to sort of write and, and you know, hopefully again it's the same bar exists. Like, is this? I'm not just it's not just ego stroking, but with this, is this going to be maybe a helpful way of looking at a situation? Is right. this going to be something other people might find comfort in? Is this going to be something that's going to just amuse people? Is this going to be you know whatever? Um, but like I wrote my last poet piece on the pastry box was about um, school shootings. Yeah. Um, I mean I work in higher ed and. Way too often you're seeing, you know, people shot on college campuses, shot and killed. Um, and it, you know, uh, it, you can talk to other people in the industry, it, it it literally just tears our guts out. Like, it just breaks our heart every time because it's, not, it's part of it's like, a, that could be me. Like, that could be, yeah. you know, anyone on a college campus. But, yeah. like, we, we know colleges, we know students, we know faculty, we know that rhythm of a campus and it's, it's, it's hard to see that keep happening over and over. And there's all sorts of political and social things that you can get into. But I, I, I sort of framed that post and, you know, yeah, like, you know, this is where communications really is about effective communications is really going to save lives. <laughs> if you yeah. have, um, you know, uh, if you have a process that you've done the thinking ahead of time, you can sort of plug into it and, and do what you need to do to get really critical messages out, uh, in an, in an effective way. Um, but I think I could close that post just by talking about how much this, this hurts and this sucks and yeah. we can't shut up because, you know, this is a huge problem. And, you know, I think that that, I felt just compelled to say it. I just felt compelled to put that out there. Cause I think it also echoed a lot of, uh, people that I know and hire a lot, the way that we feel. Um, but I think it's also, like I said, it's, we can't shut up about that. We, we can't yeah. just stand out by though. this is the new normal. Like people get shot on campuses, get shot in the street or whatever. Like, no, like, you know, we can discuss the best way to um, mitigate the situation where it's gun control. We got to get out of stuff beyond the scope of this conversation. But um, you know, for, yeah. for, for my perspective, it's just something that I felt important to, to vocalize. If I have a platform People might hear me. Then I wanted to to share those feelings. I felt that they were something that was important to
0: put out there. Yeah, and you know, I I think you know, and you mentioned this sort of especially as um, as communications professionals, and uh, you know, as people that you know that are developing kind of deep knowledge in a lot of a lot of these dif- uh, you know a lot of these disciplines in in you know how we can you know most effectively communicate and you know tell a story and structure a message and and do all of those sorts of things, uh, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people are going to have a lot of different opinions, but, you know, there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to apply a lot of the sort of thinking that we do around helping, you know, organizations achieve their mission to, you know, actually helping, you know, make big changes about some of the things that we care about. And it seems like a lot of times, you know, and this is certainly something I feel is just fear to fear to blend those two worlds, um, you know be, be, what what I believe personally, and and what I focus on professionally, and mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's refreshing to see those two things brought together because you know I, I care so deeply about both of them, um, and it's 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 refreshing to see that uh, you know they don't have to be separate. That that the person that in me that is a content strategist can also you know be deeply horrified by uh, that kind of violence and, and want to say something about it.
1: I mean, time will tell if I'm just being foolhardy and shooting my career in the foot or not. Like, who, who could say? Um, but I think I, I, I made a decision with myself long ago that I was to proceed on the path that I was on. That I was going to be comfortable. I had to be comfortable putting putting my personal self out there to that degree. Um, and, you know, in and, and forums like Twitter, I, it, it easily gets married. Uh, it's just like, you know, one tweet next to the other, one is deeply personal, one is like, hey, look at this cool post about content audits or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I sort of made a decision to be comfortable with that, and I sort of realized that people could take it or leave it. And um, I think that part of it is, like, we I mean, are just naive, and I'm just like, whatever. And I'm just going <laughs> like, to be what I'm going to be that helps me be comfortable with myself and come what may. Uh, and, you know, again, who knows, maybe in five years will be like, oh, crap, that was a bad idea. But um, I, I, I do feel that, you know, it, it, it works for me. It, it's something that I, I feel like um, just plays with the kind of person I am, the way that I want to communicate and interact with my friends and my peers and my colleagues and the world at large. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, that's a decision I made with myself. And, you know, so far it hasn't worked against me. And, um, people, you know, people seem to respond positively to it. So that's, that's great. Um, it's just a decision I made about the way I want to conduct myself as a professional. I, I, I think I wrote about this on the patient box this year too, about I've taught to some people who are like, it's kind of strategy, like, you know, it's like contact feelings, hashtag, like people get emotional and are very open and share their struggles and share their, um, their shortcomings and you know, or, you know, what they feel are shortcomings or their challenges, their adversities. And I find that incredible that we're such a human industry, like, yeah. and, and it's really great. And I've heard some people be like, why would you put your feelings out there? Why would you admit that you have this problem? Like, you're trying to, you know, get work and sell work and, and, and you know, get clients and be successful. And why would you, you know, hinder that by admitting this weakness? And it's like, well, you know, kudos to those people who are doing that because we're more than... Our salary, we're more than our title. We're humans, um, and it makes it's really challenging with all these like you your LinkedIn, your Twitter, and my public face. And then Facebook is locked down because that's where I cry, And Twitter, I'm like, what's <laughs> up? Like, you know, it's 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 you know, it's easy with all these sort of like different uh, you know the walled gardens and with all these different platforms and front ends and your personal brand and all this to to have a comfort level to do that. And I don't I don't begrudge people who you know don't want to air their you know, feelings on face on whatever, on social media or on blogs, like that's totally fine. But I feel like if people want to, I feel like that is only, you know, a good thing because, you know, we're all human and the more, we can accept each other as, you know, we're not all like infallible creatures who do content strategy. Like we're just people who have a job.
0: Yeah. Um. And and it seems like, you know, in our discipline, we talk so much about empathy. um, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I I think really, you know, that word gets thrown around so much, but it, you know, it seems like if you're going to be empathetic to your users, you have to start by being a human about the work that you do. Um, And like you said earlier, understanding that, you know, when you come into an organization and talk about change, you're talking about changing people's livelihoods, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I, I think I, you know. I think being more aware of ourselves and and being open to those sort of conversations as professionals really helps prepare us for you know being able to you know treat our clients and stakeholders and and our users as as human beings.
1: Yeah, I mean maybe that's that that's why we're uh, you talk to people in our industry and people are generally very forthcoming with where they're at in life and what's going on as as people because that's that's a large part of our trade is empathy is. Um, you know, understanding and uh, processing personal relationships and feelings and all that. It's just, it's, it's, it's part of the job. So, you know, that, that, that could be why we're comfortable doing it. Cause that's just what we do. That's, that's just the, you know, we're not just, we're more than just writers or, um, you know, coders or whatever, like we're people, we're people where one of our, uh, our skills is dealing with people and interfacing with them and, and dealing with those and understanding those feelings. So. It all makes sense.
0: I think it does. Well, Georgie, uh, I really appreciate you coming in uh, and doing this. I think this was a great conversation.
1: Great. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I'm, I'm, uh, it was a good talk.
0: All right. Thanks.
1: Take care.